Good morning. Good morning. Many years ago, when I was a student, I had the opportunity to go and live in another country for a year. Uh, now, before you think this is some great adventure, I didn't go very far. I just hopped across the channel to France. Now, how far is that? Less than 30 miles across the sea? Sometimes I felt like I was on another planet. Obviously, I just had to open my mouth, and I was immediately marked out as being different from people around me. I was the only teacher in my school where I worked who didn't smoke. Apparently, when they served wine with the school lunch in the middle of the day, I had a very British reaction to that. <laughs> and I had to, in order to make friends, I had to get used to going to cafes and drinking teeny, teeny cups of excruciatingly strong coffee. Now, I know some of you listening to me this morning, you know what it's like to live away from the country of your birth and to feel a bit out of step with the people and the customs around you. And I know that not all your experiences will be as trivial or as amusing as mine. There can be serious challenges. Well, did you know that if you are a follower of Christ, you are a foreigner or an alien here on earth because you're a citizen of heaven? We've been looking over recent weeks at a letter that was sent in the early days of the church by one of Jesus' disciples called Peter. And you'll hear him talking about this as we start to read. So we're looking at 1 Peter, and we're going to start to read at verse 11 of chapter 2. Now, if you're with us today and you're not yet a follower of Christ, then you are extremely welcome. It's lovely to have you with us. And whilst Peter is addressing this letter to Christians, I hope that, what you, uh, that you find what he has to say helpful this morning. Do you follow in your Bible? I've chosen to use the message version today, so um, you might prefer to follow the text which appears on the screen. So I'm going to start reading from verse 11. And hopefully we'll, we'll have the text soon. Great. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. Respect the government. 
I'm going to pause there. And the very first point um, that I want to highlight for us is in verse 12. Peter writes this, Live an exemplary life so that people will be won over to God's side. And for the past few weeks, we have been talking about different facets of the hope that we have as followers of Christ. Hope of a new life, hope of a new identity. And in this talk, I'm focusing on how that hope inspires others. How our foreign behavior marks us out and attracts people to God. Now, first of all, Peter says, be good citizens. He's talking about our attitude to God, to authorities, to the church. Now, do you think that we live in an era where people have a natural respect for authorities like the government? We can sometimes be painfully aware that broken people like you and me, get into positions of power. And they can be bullying or manipulative. Well, Peter wrote, we just read this, that they are God's emissaries. They're his messengers or his agents. You think, God has delegated his authority to these people? Sometimes that's difficult to take. And if you think this is tough for us, well, consider who this letter is written to us because it's addressed to Christians who have been scattered around Asia and they're facing persecution by people in authority. So it was a tall order for them and it's sometimes a challenge for us. I think being a good citizen covers um, a whole range of things, everything from our involvement in political change, that includes voting, um, through wearing a mask and getting vaccinated if we can, um, right down to how our closest neighbours perceive us. I was reflecting how easy it is for our relations with our neighbours to be characterised by really little things like where we park our car or when we take in the recycling bins. Why don't you pray for opportunities, for points of connection with your neighbours, and then make the most of those when they come your way? I did this a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't seen, um, bumped into my neighbours for a little while. Went outside to get rid of the, the weeds on my drive, and I was out there for about 40 minutes. And while I was outside, I chatted to three of my neighbours, and then um, a parcel delivery van came along. They're about every 10 minutes in the close that I live in. I don't know about where you live. And I was able to take in a delivery for a fourth neighbour and then have a conversation with her later on. Is that they came away from those conversations feeling better. Of course, Peter points out that we mustn't get too cosy. And I think in that scenario, it's always that I don't get drawn into gossiping about what's going on at number seven. Do people see the living hope that we have in us? 
in a different letter to the early church, one sent to the church in Corinth by the Apostle Paul. He tells us that because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent. We give off a sweet scent. What kind of fragrance are we leaving in our streets or our block of flats? And how are we good citizens as a church? You know, throughout history, the Christian church has been renowned for its work with the sick and the poor. And, and it's my prayer that what we have done through Storehouse, particularly during this last year's crisis, makes us attractive. We didn't run away and close down. We actually increased the provision of food. I want to talk to you about a different crisis that faces us as well. This year is an important year for climate action. The UK is, is hosting the climate talks in November, you might be aware of that. And you know, it's very clear at the beginning of the Bible that God has made us stewards of his creation. How can we exercise our citizenship in that way? Well, as a church, we want to recognize that this is a climate emergency, and we want to take some more actions. We've started, we want to do more. And to help with that, we'd love to get a group of people together to, to look at all aspects of the life of the church with a view to reporting back on where we're at now, what we could do better, suggestions for how we could reduce use of plastic, um, how about our use of utilities, our recycling, how could we reduce waste and be more sustainable. We're open to any suggestions. So do you have a passion for this? Maybe you have a specific expertise. Um, maybe there's people out there who've already been part of an initiative like this um, in your place of work. We would love to know about your interest. No obligation at this stage, but it would just be great to get to know about the level of enthusiasm and expertise that we have here at Riverside. So what you need to do if you're in the room at the back of the room, um, you can fill in your name, your telephone number, and your email address on this loo roll. We thought we'd make a start. It'll get recycled after we've taken your details off it. And if you're online, obviously a digital loo roll will in appear in the chat column, or maybe a button to click, something like that. So give us your details and your specific area of expertise or interest and we'll let you know more. You know, this, this climate emergency affects the poorest and the most vulnerable people in our world. So why don't we catch people's attention with the way that we care for this earth and for our fellow citizens? We're going to read on to the end of chapter 2. And Peter starts now to use the language of masters and servants. In some translations, it's the word slaves. But we can take this as a talking about our employment situation. You who are servants, be good servants to your masters, not just to good masters, but also to bad ones. What counts is that you put up with it for God's sake when you're treated badly for no good reason. 
There's no particular punishment, sorry, there's no particular virtue in accepting punishment that you well deserve. But if you're treated badly for good behavior and continue in spite of it to be a good servant, that's what counts with God. This is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so you would know that it could be done and also know how to do it step by step. He never did one thing wrong, not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. Excuse me. So no surprise there, I guess, that we are called to be good employees or good employers, if that's your situation. But what's particularly challenging there is that he says to be good employees, even if our employer isn't good, treats you badly or is unfair. And that's, that's really tough. It seems to me from my own experience and that of my friends that um, you know, one of um, the big stresses in life can be injustice or unfair treatment at work because it really hurts. How are we supposed to respond to it? Well, Peter reminds us of Christ's reaction. He suffered injustice at the hands of authorities that were corrupt. He was harassed, arrested, unfairly accused, tortured, mocked, executed. He suffered in silence, content to allow God to set things right. And Peter says, follow Jesus' example. Because that will demonstrate that our hope is in the kingdom of God and that at the end of the day, God will right every wrong. Now, if you're in a difficult situation at the moment, dealing with unfair treatment or a boss who makes life difficult for you, can I encourage you to reach out for prayer at the end of our service because I know how tough that can be. So we're called to be good citizens, we're called to be good employees, and finally, we are called to inspire hope through our relationships. We continue to read together, moving on into chapter 3. Peter's writing about husbands and wives here, but I think what he says applies to all our relationships. The same goes for you wives. Be good wives to your husbands, responsive to their needs. There are husbands who indifferent as they are to any words about God, will be captivated by your life of holy beauty. What matters is not your outer appearance, the styling of your hair, the jewelry you wear, the cut of your clothes, but your inner disposition. Cultivate inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. The same goes for you husbands. 
Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages. But in the new life of God's grace, you're equals. Treat your wives then as equals so your prayers don't run aground. Now, there are one or two Bible scholars listening this morning who are thinking, oh, Kim, you use the message version very cleverly to avoid using the word submit. No, no, no. Pick the message version for other reasons. I actually think, you know, because, I mean, Peter is telling in other translations, in case you're not aware, he tells us to submit to the authorities, submit to our masters, submit to our husbands. Let me tell you that regardless of the language used in the translation, it seems clear to me that submission runs all the way through this message. First and foremost, it's submission to God, of course. But mutual submission is key to every human authority, to those who tell us what to do in life, to our spouses, to our parents, to our pastors, to one another. So what would mutual submission look like in all our relationships? Well, I think there's an opportunity there to captivate others with that life of inner holy beauty that Peter writes about. Honoring others, delighting in them, not always getting our own way. Raise your hand if you think that's easy. When I was preparing this talk, I felt God prompting me to highlight um, that we have an opportunity in this area to impress others by how we talk how we talk to one another, and how we talk about one another. So often the culture around us pressurizes us to denigrate our spouse, to make fun of people who we love. Might be gently done, but it's not right. I might find a friend quite annoying in a particular moment, but, you know, if I roll my eyes behind their back, that is not very honoring. It's not attractive to other people. I want to respect and elevate and dignify other people with the words that I use and with my actions. And I don't know about you, but I need God's help in that. So, citizens of heaven here on earth, do we feel a little out of step with the world around us? You know, when Jesus was on earth, he had the opportunity to um, influence a relatively small group of people. It was just a small group of people who got to directly experience God's presence. But now, we have the Holy Spirit and now, through the sending of the Holy Spirit, so many people can experience God's presence through us, through the church. So I want us all to be encouraged this morning that we have daily opportunities to win people over, 
as they're attracted by the fragrance of Christ, that living hope that he offers and that they see in us. We're going to have an opportunity to have a time of ministry, to pray, but just before we do that, I really feel that there are people who have um, come along this morning, maybe you've been invited, um, maybe you've clicked on something and found our service this morning. Something has attracted you to hear more about Jesus. And I would love to pray for you this morning. You know, whatever it is that, whatever the reason that you're here, the person who asked you, or just the circumstance that led you to be listening to this service, that is Jesus knocking on the door. And so I want to pray that you would take this opportunity to let him in. So shall we pray? And and I, I think also there are people who, You know, they just want to reconnect this morning. You've been very, very close to Jesus in the past, and you want to take this opportunity to reconnect. So this is your moment. Today is always a good day to say yes to Jesus for the first time or the second time or whatever it is. So let me pray for you. In fact, I will pray on your behalf. Lord Jesus, thank you for knocking on the door. Thank you for attracting me to to you, to know more about you. Lord, would you come and fill my life with your presence. Thank you for the opportunity of new life that you bring. I want to turn around from the way that I've been living my life and turn to you and follow you for the rest of my days. Amen. If you've done that for um, first time or tenth time or whatever it is this morning and you're in the room, feel free to uh, catch my eye. I'm just going to look around the room, give me a little nod or a wave or something, and then I will know. It's really good to just acknowledge when you've taken that step. And if you're online, there's a button that you can click to say that you've committed your life to Jesus. It would be great um, if you ask somebody to pray for you as well.